Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you all here today. And uh, for those that are watching online, I'm glad that you tuned in today. It's uh, interesting times we live in, isn't it? Uh, to school or not to school seems to be the question. And uh, with all the COVID things and fears, and then uh, we know also many of us by now, somebody who has gotten it, gotten sick, um, in some cases even severely sick. So we're just uh, trying to do what we can do. But here's what I know. Every Sunday, we're able to gather together to celebrate Jesus Christ and uh, to worship together. So thank you guys for being here and being a part of that with us. I I need to talk about something that's uh, really neat and pretty important. This coming Saturday morning, is going to be the next Farmers to Families giveaway. Some of you uh, might remember that we did that last Saturday, and um, it looks like we're going to be able to do this every Saturday, I mean every other Saturday, until December, because the program has been extended through December. So starting um, at 9 o'clock in the morning, and we had advertised we would go 9 to 11, but this last time uh, we gave 128 boxes of produce away in Uh, less than an hour, about 30 minutes, almost all of it was gone, and then we had just some to give away. So this time we've ordered some more boxes and uh, are going to do that. So if you know somebody who needs the help with groceries, then uh, please tell them to come up here at 9 o'clock. We're going to give those away, and it's really we can only give away what we have, and then after that we just uh, will have to stay. And it's it's heartbreaking, really, because this last time we experienced some of that, that people were coming and trying to to get boxes after we were out. But then uh, we ordered more. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. Also, we need uh, diapers. So if you'd like to buy some diapers to help out with this, what we're giving away, we found this last time that um, almost everybody, I say almost everybody, a a majority of people who came through uh, said that their greatest need right now is diapers. Do we have diapers? So we'd like to accommodate that in some fashion. If you have the ability to, or if you have... um, I don't know why you would have diapers laying around, but um, depends on how old your kids are. If you have the ability to, maybe you want to get some diapers, drop it off this week. Um, here at the church, somebody will be here uh, every day this week. As we get closer to school, that reminds me, um, we're working with uh, Harvest Christian Academy and getting that going here, and um, there's just a lot of activity up here during the week now, and if you'd like to... Um, Stop by sometime during the week to give those. That would be awesome. But uh, it's a great time. Uh, We're doing God's work, and we're looking for every way that we can to serve people because we really believe uh, here that we want to serve the community. Uh, We want, as we've talked about, the love that God has given us cannot stay with us. That love has to go out because if it stays with us, then it just dies um, like the Dead Sea. So welcome today. And I love saying this every week, and I will as long as we're doing this series of messages. Welcome to the summer of love. It's uh, an exciting time for us as we look at every aspect of Christian love that uh, we can find. Last week, we looked at the fact that God loves us, and it causes us to want to reciprocate that love. How can we love Him back And uh, he was pretty clear. He gave us some great examples of how we can love him. Jesus tells us, love God, love his children. 
Remember, if you love me, uh, you should love as I have loved you. That's a paraphrase. We'll get to that here in a little bit. As I get into today's message, by the way, you can find the message notes on the uh, app, the church's app. Uh, You can search the Lantana Church in the App Store or uh, go to the Bible app and find today's live event there. So, you know, a story was told um, a few years ago, I heard this, about an actor who was playing the part of Jesus during a passion play. You know, the passion play, um, which is Jesus walking the road, um, being crucified. It was, it was that kind of a play. So there was an actor who was playing the part of Jesus. And as he, it was uh, one of those live, um, live scene kind of a deals. They didn't have it set up so much as they, they were actually walking a road during this. So they're walking the road and the guy playing Jesus is carrying his cross and as he's walking the road there, the people are watching and somebody began to heckle him, make fun of him, speak bad about him. You know, you owe sorry so-and-so and uh, the, the crowd was jeering this guy and, and one heckler in particular just really caught his, his attention. And finally this actor had had all he could. He put his cross down, he walked over and he punched the guy. And then he came back, he picked up his cross, and he continued to scene. Well, after this whole thing happened, the, um, the director called him back and he said, after the play, listen, I, I just, I understand this guy got under your skin, but if you're going to portray Jesus, I just can't have you portraying Jesus, I'm going to have to fire you. And the actor said, no, 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 please don't fire, I'll, I'll do my best to not have it happen again. So the, the director said, okay, I'll give you one more try, right? And so the actor gave him, Uh, was given one more try the next day the same thing the same scene and would you believe it it was the same heckler began heckling the guy who was playing Jesus who was carrying his cross and you could see they they say you could see the guys he's carrying his cross he's beginning to clench his fist he's just getting so frustrated as he's walking the road this guy's heckling him and won't leave him alone and finally the guy stops and he looks at him he says I'll see you after the resurrection it was, uh, <laughs> wait on it, you'll get it. All right, so sometimes it's hard for those of us who say that we are believers in Jesus, it's hard for those of us who say we are Christian to behave like a Christian should. Have you ever found yourself there? We try so hard to carry our cross, but we may just as easily lose our composure. And fly off the handle at somebody. There's no telling the difference sometimes between us and the world. Here's my problem. And we've been talking about this the last few months. Our society has gone mad. I think there's just too much fighting going on. I mean, there's craziness everywhere. And what I want to talk to you today about today is this. Did you know that we can end it? Did you know that? We, as followers of Jesus, can end it. There's one scripture that tells us how to end all of the fighting. One scripture that tells us if we follow as Christians, we can create an immediate peace. Our scripture today is going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, and we're going to go through 1 Corinthians 13, which many of you know. And it starts with Paul's words. 
He says, now I will show you the most excellent way. Before I go on to this, let me just tell you that 1 Corinthians 13 is an anomaly. If you really are reading in 1 Corinthians here, it's almost like this is a discussion on leadership. Paul, Paul's really getting into how to lead the church, how to be a leader. And it's, it's as if he stops everything and gives a definition of Christian love. I submit to you today that he didn't actually stop everything. Taking it in context, I think this is the intention of somebody who is a Christian and a leader acts like this. 1 Corinthians 13 now, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Man, that's a great scripture. Everybody is familiar with that, right? You guys know that scripture. You've heard that scripture. And I'm going to tell you today that I've saved this one because I've been trying, I've been wrestling with it. I feel like I could probably speak an entire series of messages just on this. In fact, that might be coming. So today we're not going to be able to dig as deep into this as I want. But I want to, I want to start with in the beginning in verse 1. You see, love is paramount. Love is, is the most important thing. Paul starts off in verse 31 of chapter 12. He says, let me show you the most excellent way. Not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You guys remember that? Who remembers? Nobody? Man, tough crowd. Somebody online I know is remembering that. It's up for a reboot, by the way. Did y'all hear that? They're supposed to do another one. We'll see how Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure goes. And so I feel like that's where Paul's channeling his Bill and Ted. Let me show you the most excellent way. This is the best way. Let me show you the best way to do this. And he follows with four things that we probably consider to be very, very important, okay? And the first is this, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. In verse 1, Paul says that love is more important 
than spiritual gifts. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Remember that he has just come out of explaining about spiritual gifts and, and those things. And, and we recognize that uh, he, he's talking about that here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Now on the day of Pentecost... Remember and think about on the day of Pentecost, when the very first gospel sermon was ever preached, God gave the people who were there, and I would encourage you to go back and and read what it says, because I think speaking in tongues, or, or tongues, the gift of tongues, is as much a gift of the hearer, because it says everybody heard in their own language. Right now, as we uh, are working with uh, our Hispanic uh ministry and group and and Ingrid she's been helping me learn my Spanish when I talk to her Uh, and now we have the the Brazilian group I'm 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 hoping that God gives me the ability to understand their language so I'm praying for this for myself I, I, I want here I want to know and that's what's happened imagine if somebody was speaking there's all these dialects and they heard in their own language and so this this would have been something significant and magnificent that they would have all understood god gave the people the gift to be able to speak and to hear in languages that they had never learned they had never practiced on duolingo he wanted people to understand what was happening he wanted them to get it, to pick it up. But so this, this, I mean, we're talking about one of the most important things that happened in the early church. This was the birth of the church. And, and Paul's saying, if God gave me the gift to, to speak in every language, but I don't have love, then I'm nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We're talking about the birth of the church. And Paul still says, if I don't have love, then that is not as important. Love is the most important thing. And have you ever wondered what he meant about a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? Does anybody remember the gong show from way way back? Man, I'm really digging deep for some references here. So some of you uh, millennials and... uh, even younger, have to go look up the gong show. It was hilarious. It was, you know, if somebody was doing a bad job singing or whatever, they gonged you out. And so in my mind, that's what I imagine, because um, I remember my parents watching that as a child, the gong show, and I, I imagine somebody hitting the gong, that that's what it was. Okay, now to help you understand Paul's reference here, there was a big gong or a cymbal that was stand at, the, this is no joke, that was stand at the door of the pagan Uh, temples and when somebody was walking in to pray to one of these pagan gods to to or to make a sacrifice or whatever they would bang the gong as they walked in because they wanted to wake the god in case god was asleep that way they could make sure that they could speak to him they were waking him up (laughs) now so paul's saying that even if he were so blessed that he could speak with the greatest eloquence in every language and understand all the dialects, but he didn't have love, then his life was as useless as this ridiculous act of pounding on a gong to awaken a non-existent God. Put in context, it helps us understand that 
Love is so important. In fact, Paul says more important than our spiritual gifts. And then in verse 2, Paul says, love is more important than knowledge. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge but do not have love, I am nothing. Paul says, even if we know everything, if we know everything there is to know about nuclear science and about medicine and about philosophy and about psychology and whatever ology you can describe, if we know it all but don't have love, then we are nothing at all. I think I might start using that. Yes, we were having a, a discussion in physics yesterday, <clears throat> peek into our house. So Morgan was asking me about if she's in a train and she jumps, is she just jumping up and down or is she jumping forward? And how far forward could she jump? And so we're having all this discussion. So from now on, when, it, when we're trying to answer these questions, I'm just going to say, hey, wait a minute. First, let's start. Do you have love? <laughs> because that's not going to matter. If you don't have love and you understand all of the physics, it's just not going to matter. Why does Paul speak it so? In, in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge makes us feel important, but love builds people up. I've been wrestling with a decision myself. I have, um, I have a, a, a degree, a Master of Arts, but the, um, a school reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to pursue a Master of Divinity. And while that sounds awesome, <laughs> I know the work involved, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to do. But I'll tell you, there is a thing like, oh, so I would have like a master of divinity. And when you're talking with your pastor friends, you know, you're like, so you understand, like, I'm puffed up. Oh, I've got a master of divinity. What do you have? <laughs> That's never been said, but it's unspoken. I'll promise you that. We don't want to be puffed up. We don't want to be made to feel important. Now, knowledge is important. Understanding is important. These things are, are important in our lives, but not as important as love. I don't think we need more knowledge near as much as we need more love. The hearts of people have to change before our society will change. Hearts changed will mean a society changed. All right, third thing. Paul says that love is more important than faith. Now, don't misunderstand. He's not saying faith isn't important. In fact, he didn't say any of these things aren't important. He's only saying that love is more important. If I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Where is your faith today? Do you believe for sure right now that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was raised again three days later, sits at the right hand of the throne of God, that His shed blood is the sacrifice for your sins, that you can stand before God uncondemned, if you believe that by faith, congratulations, because that is fantastic. Many people don't. But Paul's saying, even if you believe that by faith, but you don't have love, it just doesn't matter. You see, love is the foundation 
of everything that we believe in. Faith is of no value unless it's backed up by love. And, and we've been talking all summer about this. God is love. That's who he is. When we receive, when we believe in Christ and, and receive him as our Savior and, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us, that is love residing in us. It makes sense that out of that, everything should be love that flows from us. Now, not saying that always happens. I understand it doesn't. I had an incident the other day. I was, I was, it seems to happen a lot while I'm driving. I don't know why. I'm, I'm driving, right? And, and I'm, I've got the kids in the car and I'm driving. We come to a stoplight. I'm in the left lane. Somebody's in the right lane. Light turns green. I start to take off. And the person in front of me just cuts I mean, literally right in front of me. And I had to slam on my brakes. To, I, I would have T-boned. I don't have any idea what they were thinking. Like if I hadn't have hit my brakes, I for sure would have hit them. And I had an opportunity in front of my children to practice love flowing out. I'm not sure if it was love that came out, but I tried really hard because Unless my faith is backed up by love, then it just doesn't matter. The priest and the Levite, you remember in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Who has more faith than a priest and a Levite? And yet they walked right on by the, the uh, man on the side of the road. It was the Good Samaritan who stopped by. They just left him to die. Faith does not matter without love. In Galatians 5, 6, Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. All right, the fourth thing. You see why this could go for a long time? Like there's, there's so much meat to dive into here. Uh, love is more important than generosity. Love is more important than than generosity. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now notice he doesn't say, if I give my 10%. That's not what he says. He says, if I give everything I possess, if I take my home and I gift it, if I empty my checking account, if, if my insurance policies, I sell them, if I give everything away, sounds like a pretty righteous thing to do, right? but I don't have love, then it gains me nothing. It does me no good. You see, generosity in itself is not bad. Generosity in itself is great. We should be, as Christians, the most generous people in the world. We should be. Generosity is good, but, but why do we give? That's the question. And that's what Jesus wants us to answer in regards to, to giving to him. Why do we give? Do we give because we just heard a, a sermon on giving? Or do we give because we feel guilty, like I, I should have given or I should have given more? Or do we give out of an abundance of love? Because we love God so much that we want to give Him. And, and I'll tell you, it's, giving becomes a, a, 
something that's really hard to talk about because people are, are pretty protective. And, and that's fine. I understand that. But the way that you give, that, that's what God's concerned with. How is it that you give? Out of, out of what heart do you give? So we're learning from Paul that love is more important than spiritual gifts, more important than knowledge, more important than faith, more important than generosity, more important than everything. So really what are we learning? That I hypothesize that love is maybe more important than we even thought. Because I know some, I know people who have, uh, I want, I'm going to tread lightly here, but I know people who have been followers of Jesus for decades. Not in this church. And you look at them and their life does not exude love. Without love, how will people know who Jesus is? It's, it's just, it's all about love. So, and then the next part, we're not going to spend too much time here, just so you know, but the next portion of this, Paul's giving examples. I call it loving praxis. You, under, you understand the word practice. Uh, praxis is the practice of things, the way to do things. Yeah, I've got the definition there. Practice as distinguished from theory, application or use as knowledge of skills. It's the praxis, that's what that word means. We tend to think of love as something that just happens to us, okay? Um, this is what the world teaches. You fall into love like you fall into a ditch, right? Like you're just walking along and whoop, fell into love. Or you fall out of love like you fall out of a tree, you know, like you just can't help it. I don't know. I was walking along one day and I just fell out of love with them. I just quit, so time to move on. That's not the way that love works. It's not just something that happens to you. You are not an inactive participant. And, and society teaches that, or I say society, you know, songs, we sing it. And, and we all sing them and I like them. I, I just can't help falling in love with you. You guys remember that? Yeah? How about, you've lost that love and feet, right? Everybody remembers? We lost that love and feeling. Oh, one of my favorites is, uh, hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? I mean, come on. That's not what love is. Love is not something that just happens to us, you know? It is deeper than that. I would say that there is an attraction, that there is a desire that those, that, yes, that is, but that's not love. Love is something, it, it, the Bible teaches it's something we can control. And I'll tell you this, after uh, being married for 21 years, whew, make sure I got that right, 21 years, I can tell you that while I have a deep affection for my wife, we love each other in a sense that's more than we just will ourselves to love each other. Now, sometimes there is the we have to will ourselves to, you know, it's not always this mushy and gushy feeling, but we have a, a desire for each other. 
that comes out of years of practicing willing to love each other. People say, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to get too deep into this, but um, for us, marriage hasn't been the hardest thing we've done. Because we recognized early on that part of being married is willing ourselves to love each other. So we find that we have a desire for each other and then we will ourselves to love each other. And then the desire increases and our willing to love each other, that we have the will to do it, you understand, Uh, we choose it, that becomes easier. As time goes on. So it it works together. But that's what the Bible teaches. We can control it. Jesus gives us this command. Every week we've said it. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This simply means I can will to love you. I can choose to love you. And you can choose to love me. This is great news because the situation we find ourselves in as a country is not hopeless. We find ourselves in a place that if we would just choose to love people, it changes everything. If we would just have the will to love those that we disagree with, everything would change. If we would just choose to love people of different races and different ethnicities, then we could end all of the angst going on in our country. Jesus has made us, his followers, part of his community that looks like this. We love each other on purpose. That's what his community looks like, and that is what he has made us part of. So if we don't choose to love, then I would ask Are we really living in his kingdom? We can say we choose Jesus, but by choosing Jesus, that means we choose love. So how are we supposed to do that? What loving practice? How do do we practice that? 1 Corinthians gives us one of the most comprehensive lists of practical ways to love each other. And this is what we're not going to be able to dig in very deep today, but... I just want to take a, a quick look, and then we'll, we'll be finished, at loving praxis. All right, first is love is unoffended, this, the verse. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is unoffended. I, I would say, think about the times that you get offended and stop. Because love is unoffended. We can't live in this place of being offended constantly And then say we love people because they're not feeling it. Carrying offense, holding on to offense, being impatient, not being kind, envying what somebody else has, boasting about what we have. We've got to be unoffended. The second one, love honors. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. How do we honor somebody? By serving them. That's what love does. That's why the title of today's message, Love Does, um, which I can't take sole credit for. Bob Goff wrote a terrific book called Love Does. Please read the book. It's amazing. And it talks about love and what love does, how love is an action. Love is... um, 
something we do. It's a verb to steal from DC Talk. Love is a verb. So love honors. It serves others. Third, love protects. It doesn't delight in the evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. You want to test this? Have three kids. <laughs> Have three kids, or any kids, more than one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. I'm, I'm telling them, if you love your brother, if you love your sister, then you want to protect them. Listen, my kids, one-on-one, -on -one, they can get in all the trouble that they need all by themselves. They don't need the help of their brothers or sisters. They don't quite get that yet because brothers and sisters feel like they need to help brothers and sisters get in trouble. But I'm telling them, I want you to love your siblings. I want you to, I want you to deeply admire them. And that part of that is protecting. In my house, we don't allow snitches. Here's the last one. And I love this. Love doesn't need to understand. It's hard for me because I want to understand everything. But here's why I say that. Verse 8, love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For, now, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Um, another version, Paul says, for now we see as uh, through a dim mirror. Like we just can't see it all right now. We're, we're walking in a fog on this side of heaven. We just don't see. Now we're, we're, we believe that Jesus has welcomed us into his kingdom, but we're not fully there yet until we die or he comes back. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You see, love doesn't need to understand every little thing. What we need is to choose to love somebody. We don't understand it all right now. We don't see it all right now. We don't know it all right now. Someday we will. But love doesn't need that. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So here's the deal with me today. I'm tired of all the hate. I'm tired of social media. <laughs> I almost can't get on. Unless I see like a video of cats doing something funny, like that'll catch me. I'm really, I'm tired of hate. I'm tired of social media. I'm tired of the racial divide. I'm just tired of the racial divide. Because you know what the kingdom of God is going to look like? Every race, every ethnicity, all loving each other. And if you can't do that, then you can't be in that kingdom. Because that's what it looks like. Do you think that when you step into heaven, final, and this is a question that really helped to shape the way I feel about heaven. When you step into heaven, who you are doesn't change. You will be you. And I tell people, if you don't love Jesus now, what makes you think in heaven you're going to love him then? 
And if you don't love other races now, then heaven is not the place for you. Because we will all be one. I'm tired of people killing each other. I'm tired of politics. Already I can't stand it. The politics are driving me crazy. Because no matter who's our president, I'm still in his kingdom. I am first a citizen of his kingdom. And I'll tell you this, 83% of people in the United States say that they are Christians. Did you know that? 83%. 83% of the United States says they're Christians. If every one of those 83% would start living this, if this is all the scripture they knew, everything would change. There would be no hate. There would, because hate would be out of style, right? There would be no racial divide. There would be no political divide. There would be no, you fill in the blank. 83%. I can't speak to the rest of the world, or the United States anyway, and those 83%, but I can speak for myself. And I choose love. And I choose to love like this. And I hope I can speak for our church and say, this is how our church will choose to love. And I hope everybody watching understands what I'm saying. And I, I hope that as we are able to gather together and more and more people can come, that we find that we have so fallen in love with God and each other that we create our own kingdom of heaven on this earth that people want to be in. And we can welcome them then, no matter their politics, no matter their race, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their socioeconomic status because we choose love. <laughs> I feel like it's a, I don't know. We've talked, everybody's talked about love for so long. But God has me here, all right? This is where we're at. This is where God has us. And maybe God has us here because this is where the change starts. Maybe. I don't know. But I would encourage you. Think about this. Pray about this. Choose to fall so madly and deeply in love with God that you exude love. Let's pray. God, this morning, man, thank you for loving me. Thank you for teaching me how to love and thank you for 1 Corinthians 13, that Paul for writing that. It's, it's deep and it's hard. Help me to choose to love like this. Help all of us to choose that. And may a change happen in my life and may we be, may we be part of the 83% that is going to change this nation. Thank you, God. Move in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name.